0: Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Night Sky Podcast. My name is Billy Newman,
1: and I'm Marina Hanson.
0: And really appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Uh, I think this is our fourth podcast in a row that we've recorded so far in July. So that yeah, right? that's yeah, pretty cool. Been great. I really Good like morning. doing it with more regularity. I think that works. Uh, works pretty well for us but it's been fun uh, trying to put a few more podcasts together and a few episodes that are longer in length so we're trying to still play with like the the format of how long these podcasts should be i guess if anyone out there is listening and they have some input on uh on how long of an episode they've enjoyed or you know how much time the format should really be i guess you can always drop us a, a note shoot me an email billy at com, or uh i think billy at night too i don't know if those email addresses have ever worked though
1: I <laughs> <yet. You> know. am <laughs> <laughs> need to get that in order man
0: we got to get but, our development in order yeah we got to do so much more stuff it'll be really fun though i really liked what we've been doing and what we've been building up in the night sky podcast and um, i'm really excited for the the website stuff that we can put together it'll always be really simple on the website of it but i really want to make something that's just nice and simple and i really like some of the art stuff that we've been talking about yeah I mean, me too. Be really fun to do
1: i'm excited for that to be developed more I think it'll be great.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be pretty cool. But in between time we're just going to try and put out more podcasts that uh, are maybe a little bit longer and uh, stretch into a few more subjects, but it's been really fun. I've liked doing it, especially this month with everything that's been going on.
1: Yeah, I've I've uh, liked getting to do it a little bit more often. It's been cool. It's been a good reason to need to go out more to yeah, do some observations, check stuff out.
0: Yeah, and this time of year in July it's it's just the best time of year for it. We have uh, we have so many good viewing nights available to us, and and there's so many features up and available to uh, to get to look out at.
1: Yeah, there's really a ton to look at uh, during this time of year. There's just so much in the sky. That you yeah, can see. I
0: really like that. And it's tough in the wintertime because we we run into clouds or we run into just just bad viewing weather or short daylight hours. Which you'd think would work okay for trying to observe the night sky, but uh, but at least in our part of the country, it never really seems to help that much. I really prefer like the early mornings that we get to view, where we get to view the uh, the sunrise and sunsets of um, the the things that are going on around the sun right now. Like um, there's a handful of planets. Well, actually, like right now, I guess we should get into it, like all like we talked about back. In, what was it, February of this year, when all five planets were up in the hey. evening sky, and we talked about it a little bit. Um, on, the, on the last couple of podcasts about how Venus is up, how Mercury is going to be up, and then also how continuing, as it has been for the last couple weeks, we have Jupiter in the sky, Mars in the sky, and Saturn in the sky. So that's all five um, heavenly bodies that, that we had as, as planets, those first five, those five that you can see with the naked eye, and then out past that, you, we can't see those other planets just with the naked eye or the unaided eye. So... It's kind of cool having them all visible at the same time. It's still really a rare event when it when it does occur. And it's a pretty good observational period right now. And it, it just makes it quite a bit easier. But you have to be able to catch it right after sunrise.
1: Right. You yeah, to, you really have to get it in right at the right moment. Yeah.
0: Were you I'm able watching. to spot Venus the other day?
1: Yeah, when we were heading out.
0: Yeah, we were leaving uh, We were leaving uh, the kayak when we were kayaking.
1: Yeah. On
0: our drive back right after the sunset when we watched from the lake that we were at you could look up just a little bit above the horizon and it really was only there for i mean by the time we, we got home it was, the drive yeah. home it was already set by that point so yeah. it really does like move quite quickly at that section of the sky and you have to think it would i guess if you'd imagine how high the sun would be you know if it's only just a few degrees up off the western horizon it's sure. not going to take too long before it drops uh, below below the horizon but i think uh, i think yeah venus is up right now it's really quite bright but it's it's in the bright section of the twilight sky and that makes it quite more difficult to to get an observation in because at that time, even as bright as it is, there's no other stars around it that have appeared through the twilight. Venus I mean, is the only thing that's bright enough at that point to really emerge that you can you can track or see. That's the first right. star you see tonight. And so it's a bit more difficult to get an observation in at this time of day. Um, whereas like in the morning, what you would think is uh, it would be the darkest first, you'd get to see Venus in the darkest and then it would reveal itself into the daylight and then it would disappear. And that makes it for that makes a much more easy observation.
1: Right. Because it's just right there already. To yeah. See. And it's, it's in the dark the sky. Contrast of the darkness.
0: Yeah. In the dark sky getting brighter. Whereas in this case, in a very bright sky, getting darker and setting to the horizon really quickly. And so that makes it just a little bit more tricky. But the cool thing is, is yeah, you can head out and see Venus if it's dark enough on the horizon or you don't have enough, you don't have light pollutants on the horizon. Like in some of the areas where we're at here in this valley, as you look out for what, 50, 100 miles or so onto the horizon, and you see dust kind of coming up just on that, that horizon plane. Of, yeah, of, there's you know, that little there. layer
1: where yeah. you don't really see any definition in the sky because it's too hazy.
0: Yeah, and in some areas, it's like it's like 6, 15, almost 20 degrees up from the horizon line. You see just a lot of murkiness in the sky or, or whatever yeah. kind of weather field that is or dust that's in the air or fires that burn. Like out here in the Pacific Northwest when there's, a, when there's like a forest fire that goes off. Even just uh, for, yeah. for really, wide, like, you know, if something happens in northern Washington, we'll still get, you, get you know, a drift of that smoke that comes down. And even if that smoke is way out, you know it gets dense or the the particulate gets really dense as you look through it horizontally through the atmosphere. If you imagine it, our atmosphere, if we go straight up from here, straight up to the top of the sky, that's about, what is it like, I don't know, six, seven, eight miles or something out to the to the outer limits of our atmosphere? Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's I like it's probably like fifty miles to the very very end of it. It's it's very, it's very close. Like the International Space Station is remarkably close in elevation. We should look that up. What is that? What's
1: yeah, that? it elevation? is closer. It is. I can't remember the number exactly, but it is weird when you hear it because you think of, you know, that's out. That's out in space. But yeah. it's just miles away.
0: Yeah, I wonder what it is. I'm not sure. It didn't really bring it up as easy as I thought it would. But uh it's really interesting. I'm pretty sure it's really, really quite close to us, like outside of the atmosphere. So, you think of like a plane, is it 35,000 feet or something? That's like five miles, like 5,000 yeah. times, or, or like eight, and, and then up from there. So, I think it's like around like 10, 15, 20 miles or so as we get up into the stratosphere, exosphere, and then like up to the top of the atmosphere. But if you think of that, that big distance or the depth that we'd have to the outside or close to the, the limit of the atmosphere and into outer space, if we look horizontally across the landscape, we can see much further distances horizontally across the landscape through our atmosphere than we can if we look just straight up. And that's like part of the reason why when we look through the atmosphere, we get so much distortion because we're looking through so much oxygen before we get out into space. That's where they say like um, like observations are best made when something's at its zenith point, which is going to be straight up Mm -hmm. in the sky. Because like what we're talking about, when it's at a lower position, when it's right at the horizon, we're going to have more distortion, more heat rising up off the land through the oxygen and then causing ripples or distortions. Have you seen that before?
1: Yeah, I have seen, um, I guess, distortions.
0: Yeah. Well, you've seen like heat waves on a wall on a yeah. hot summer day. You look at the blacktop and then you look at a painted wall and you'll see kind of shadows and it looks like ripples or waves kind of moving up but you don't see anything in front of you. That's just like the, the heat that's elevating or that's right. rising from the black top up. And it's really weird to see that kind of energy happen, but um, but you can see the same types of effects when you're looking at like twinkling stars or things that are close to the horizon. And like, or that's what, you know, like why we get a different or different colorations in the sun as it sets. Like if it's setting through a smoke or through a fire sure. or something, it turns really red. and. Uh, and or like that really red or blood yeah. red type of color in the sun that we see is just caused from the particulate matter that's there. And there's also like a bending effect, I think, like a lensing effect on the, on the uh, curvature of the earth, like the oxygen that's there. It causes some types of uh, distortions from the light that we see at a line, like a, a straight line out from that. Because the, if you think of kind of like looking through the curve of a lens, there's going to be some distortions that happen because of that. It's interesting.
1: It's it kind of cool stuff.
0: Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it'll be uh, kind of cool to to get to check out a few of the things that are going to be coming up uh, right in the morning or, or like we're talking about right in the evening when we see Venus and then also when we see Mercury. Now, Mercury is going to be right up from Venus, if I understand right. And there's going to be a, a handful of cool conjunctions that are happening in the next couple of days. And that's what we'll probably get to when we... when we, We'll do a quick rundown of all of those in a couple of minutes. But it's cool. We get to see Venus just up from... Uh, or. Venus, right on the horizon, just up from the sun, a few minutes before we hit, um, we hit, uh, I shoot, what would it be? A few minutes after sunset, we have Venus. Right up from Venus, we have Mercury. Further up from that, we still have Jupiter in between Leo and Virgo right now. And then as we cut over further to the west, we have Mars and then Saturn, like we've been talking about for the last couple months.
1: Right, yeah, all up there.
0: So it's cool we get to see all of them at the same time. Um, so the cool conjunctions that are going on, uh, like what I was going to mention a minute ago is tonight. So I, what is the date today? The 28th?
1: the
0: 28th? Yeah. So midnight's coming up fast. So tomorrow morning, and probably it'll have just happened when people end up downloading this podcast, um, what we would be able to see is that, that occultation that we talked about on the last episode of uh, the moon passing in front of Aldebaran. Right. And it's going to do that for a certain section of the United States I think a lot of that's going to be further south. I'm not quite sure what the view we'll have here from our section of the earth is, but it might just be a crescent moon and the star Aldebaran really close together. And then it might appear as an occultation in just a certain section of the United States.
1: Oh, that's interesting. It's sort of, it makes sense, but it's weird to think about how that is or how things are going to be lined up differently in a different part of the country
0: yeah and i suppose that's because the moon is is just a much smaller object uh in total size than the earth is yeah. so we're going to be up higher than than the north pole of the moon or further south than the south pole of the moon right where our perspective is when, when we're looking at it um but i don't know how much it really changes i am i think that's called parallax right like when there's a point further in the distance like the star and oh, sure. a moving point of the moon in front of us and then there's our perspective from earth and that shift of whether we're on the right. North pole of earth or the South pole of earth, when we're observing that point of the moon and what's behind it, that's going to affect the the parallax is going to affect like what yeah. that surface is from, from the backside of the moon. And okay. so I think, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I, I think that's right. I, cause also, um, like we were talking about, I think in the last episode of the night sky podcast, uh, you were mentioning that there's going to be, I can't remember what it's called, but it's that other kind of occultation that the moon's going to oh, do the, where it's going to pop in and out. the grazing occultation? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you can
1: only see it that way in a specific part of the world, so. Yeah,
0: you have to be very specific with that. I think, like, like to, to the point of having, like, a GPS coordinate for wow. your time and location, because it's really almost like a line. Like, if you change in elevation... More oh. than what the the moon's change in elevation is going to be, you'll you'll miss it, or you'll be kind of out of out of the way of it. But yeah, there's there's some um, pretty pretty complicated scheme of the the minute and time and place that you're supposed to be to get that type of observation, uh, which is cool. I guess it's like kind of near El Paso, Texas, and then it sort yeah, of floats right. out. Uh, toward the east coast uh, until around dawn. And then that's, that's the other thing is so like uh, tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow morning, if we get out, we look up into the sky, the sun will already be up, it'll be blue sky, and we'll find a crescent moon in the sky. And right there is where Aldebaran is. It's in Taurus, but it's just in the daytime, which is also kind of something fun to observe when you're like, oh, that's where, that's where Taurus is, and then that's where Orion is right next to it. And then you kind of get a perspective of where those constellations that are in the winter sky are, when it's daytime, oh, right. and yeah. just and you can do that any time, but you just know right now or because it's a, you know, it's an occultation. It's it's right in Taurus. Right. Uh, you can.
1: You know that it's there. Just combine the two days. Like, oh yeah, wow,
0: that's in Taurus right now, and it's in the daytime, but it's also covering Aldebaran um, <laughs> at that time too. So yeah, I guess most of the occultation occurs during the day, so most people aren't going to get to see it. But we could here, uh, or we could see something close to. it. We can at least see those stars. Or the star and the moon very close together, uh, when uh, when it comes up. So it'll be kinda of fun. I don't know. We should try and wake up at Is it four AM? Four A. M. 4 a. M. <laughs> four a. m. poke our head out the window and uh, see what stars we can we can poke out. But it'll be kinda of fun. Yeah,
1: West Coast Northern Hemisphere.
0: West Coast Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Four AM? Yeah, it said something about four AM, but I think that might have been even for for uh, mountain or Central Time, oh, okay. or it was you know somewhere we in Texas. Uh, so I don't know how that shifts for us, but but yeah, for us it will still be something. I mean, it it will rise for us around four a.m. and uh, that's probably when we get a chance to see it. But I'm not sure yet. It'd be kind of cool. We'll uh, we'll try and check it out. We'll get some observations of it in. At least poke our head out the window. And say, hey, I can't see Alderaan.
1: Hey, look, it's not there.
0: Where to go? So that'd be kind of fun. But that's uh, that's happening this morning on the morning of Friday, July 29th. And that's really cool. And then, so this is what's kind of interesting is there's a lot of these types of events in succession with each other. And what I'm gonna try and do is get an observation in of each one of them. Maybe we won't make it to all of them, but I think it'd be kind of cool if we are able. So tomorrow morning, we have this occultation of Aldebaran. And then on July 30th, that following day in the evening, uh, that's when we have this really close conjunction of Mercury, the planet Mercury and the star Regulus in Leo. And so that's what I was talking about earlier is right after the sun goes down past the horizon, we're gonna look up and spot Venus and that's going to be the, the brightest object in, uh, in that early twilight sky when it's still really quite bright out after the sun is set. And I think just up from Venus, just a couple degrees, and there's good guides on, on how to spot these things uh, online. I'm sure you can find it. Um, you go just up from Venus and you'll be able to spot Mercury, which will be really quite faint, but that's going to be right next to the star Regulus. Uh, and I think that's like the bottom of the backwards question mark that's most of the constellation of Leo, what makes the, the tail of the lion.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, if
0: yeah. you were to think of that. Yeah. So yeah, at the bottom of the tail of the lion is the star Regulus. That's the bright star in uh, in the constellation Leo. And Mercury is just going to be right up next to it. Right there. Um, and there's a certain period. I think it's like a 30-minute period that the uh, the two points are, are in a conjunction or, or you know so close that I guess they'd be considered in con- conjunction. I've not really witnessed that before. Like too many planets passing in front of or right next to other stars. You'd think it would happen more often. But because of how many stars are out there. Yeah, so many. Yeah. But often it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those uh, kind of rarities in a lot of ways. So that's happening the next day, which I think is kind of cool. And then just a couple days later, now that we have the moon really like almost as a new moon, I think it's a new moon on August 2nd or August 3rd. And the first. Bit, the first day after that when we have just that first little sliver of a crescent that we'd see um on the evening side of the sun on august 3rd if we look out just after sunset we would see this real close conjunction of the super thin crescent moon and venus in the sky and so that would be like the third conjunction event that's going to happen just here in the next week
1: that's pretty cool there's a lot going on this week
0: yeah i think it next week it, it really is Yeah, actually this time of year uh seems to be a lot of stuff going on or you know just a few minor things those those aren't really major events in a lot <laughs> of ways uh but they are like kind of unique sky watching events that i think would be cool to check out if we if we get a chance to and definitely the kind of stuff we'd want to talk about here on a little podcast about sky watching events
1: yeah seems like there's three of them happening that's pretty neat
0: shoot yeah, that's a, that's a handful of them. And that you can see all five planets at the same time. I mean, even that is enough to, and, and it's in the summertime and it's in the evening. It's just one of the most easy times to get good observations in of all five planets. up. In fact, if you haven't done it before, I don't think it's really going to get easier or more common than it has, you know, in the, the last couple of weeks or the last six months when we got to see it a while back. I mean, before that, right, they talked about how it hadn't been that way for like almost right. a decade yeah, or so. Yeah, a
1: long time. That's cool that we're getting to have it twice this year.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's a good year for us to be doing podcasts about it. And then in the future, what we'll notice over time is that uh, we'll see the stars kind of separate a little bit, and we'll have we'll have boring years in a lot of ways. This is really a, a an exciting year for for. You know, we had like Saturn at opposition and Mars at opposition, and Mars in retrograde doing all that stuff uh, in the evening sky. And then we have the stuff with you know Venus and Mercury coming up and these little conjunctions and stuff. Uh, and all five planets up in the sky in the morning and in the evening, like happening like twi- two different times in the year. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. And then, you know, two or three years from now, we're just going to have no stars or, or no planets be- in the sky or <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, stars. Little,
1: little planet in the sky.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to, we need to look out ahead, try and get some programming in. get got <laughs> some ideas for 2017 sky watching stuff. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really cool. I think uh, getting to, to try and watch those three things, so like the, the, uh, the conjunction of the moon and Venus, or excuse me, yeah, the moon and Venus, Mercury and Regulus, and then the moon and Aldebaran tonight. I think those three things are going to be kind of cool to check out.
1: Yeah, it, a lot of good stuff to get.
0: It'll be cool. And then even more than that, and this is the other thing that we should get into, is, uh, is the Delta Aquarian meteor shower is going to be going on for, uh, for I think the next few days here. I think it's really yeah, wrapping up now. Yeah, we've got a couple days left, I think. Yeah, and then uh, I think it'll, it'll kind of tail off. I'm not sure how it, they said it's all, It's hard to tell. I don't trust. I, I don't trust the predictions that come out.
1: I think the predictions are loose predictions. A lot of the stuff that I was reading said that predictions are really only roughly. It's estimated. difficult. It's but, really yeah. difficult. I think that um, this meteor shower that we have going on right now the Delta Aquarius one. I think that that was supposed to have started on the 27th. Yeah,
0: that's great. I think it yesterday. I said yesterday. Hey.
1: And I think that it says it's supposed to go till about the 30th, but probably a few days into early August.
0: Yeah, so given that, like, because you're right, because um, the way that I understand it is that there's a ramp up and a ramp down from the, the time that that meteor shower peaks. And so that's why this section of summer is so great to, to go out also because you get so many shooting stars during that period because we're going to have this, uh, this ramp up to the Delta Aquariids, which I've seen a lot of good meteors out of in the past. You know, during this time of year, it's, you, yeah. you're, you'll be able to catch a few. I think, it, I think it was maybe like 20 an hour. Sometimes I think I that think they always try and sell the number. Like what, what's the number that get you out of the house to look at it? Yeah. That's what will tell you. But I don't know if it's really if it's really known or not. I've I've gone out on years that were supposed to be great and it was a little bit of a dud. It just yeah. it just actually depends on what random material is floating in front of the atmosphere when our to planet runs into it. Yeah, it's really difficult to predict. They say okay, so we'll we'll get to that in a second. The prediction stuff about about menu showers is silly, or it's just complicated. And yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure what they really notice or what would make like get peak or not. But the cool thing, so like we're talking about is we had the Delta Aquarius, which we were out for just a couple nights ago.
1: Yeah, we saw a few.
0: Yeah, we were trying to take some some photos, some really wide angle photos. We used like this ten millimeter lens uh, to try and get some of those those uh, photos of the Milky Way that we were talking about from the last couple episodes, like when we were talking about astrophotography and wide angle astrophotography using the high ISO high ISO on a digital camera with a really wide angle, with a long exposure, and getting a lot of light captured into that sensor so we can make these photographs of the Milky Way looking really crisp or some of the stars that we see in the in the night just looking really crisp and, uh, and bright still, similar to the way that the eye sees it. It's interesting how that is, right, how the eye sees uh, so much light in the night sky, but, you know, a camera sensor, it doesn't, it yeah, doesn't pick up the same of type of thing. it's
1: a to make it get what you see.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And to capture all that light that we're able to see when we're able to make out the Milky Way galaxy, you have to leave the shutter open for like 20 or 30 seconds 30 or so time, yeah. to get that same effect. And uh, So that's kind of an interesting thing about how sensitive our our eyes are as a tool to to get to see or to, to get to look yeah. at stuff. But it's really fun trying to work with the camera and trying to to build some of these photos. I really like some of the stuff that we did because, like we were talking about in the last episode, how to spot the Galactic Center, right. or, And like yeah. where it is, like the the front end of the teapot that's in Scorp- or that's in uh, Sagittarius and at the back end of Scorpio. Uh, and so that was kind of fun going out and looking at as we looked due yeah, south cool to this time it. of year. Yeah, like if it gets a little bit late in the night, like we were looking at, you really see Scorpio kind of tilting out toward the west quite a bit more than it was just a month ago. And then you see the Milky Way just kind of beam straight down due south and drop out past the horizon, which is really cool. I'm glad that we get get to see it. And we got some photos of it, which was fun.
1: Yeah, I'm glad we made it out to that spot. We went just a little bit outside of our apartment part of town, which is uh, pretty much downtown uh, in Eugene where we live. So there's a lot of light pollution here. But we yeah, we drove a little bit out uh, just to some country area that's yeah. a little ways away and it was great it was way better
0: yeah it always like, is we we should you know we'll try and do that as much as we can that's what was great about growing up in southern oregon and i was thinking about this now too and what most people probably never had was that like in, you know that area in southern oregon where we went to to look out to the southern sky there if you think about it there are no other cities there south for almost ever right like you think about that section of the earth, the geography of where southern Oregon is, and past that there's, you know, there's Murphy, which is not but, right. but it's really it's just the hills. It's just those big hills that yeah, drop into that redwood curtain. Have you heard of that before, the redwood curtain?
1: I don't know if I have. Is that I guess where the redwoods sort of ba- Basically, it's where they it's, open it. it's sort of
0: uh it's sort of this term for the geology of that area. How uh, you go th- down, you, you follow the I5 corridor, it goes all the way down to southern Oregon, and then it just gets into this really intense mountainous terrain that's up and down and up and down that we don't really have in the rest of Oregon. Like up here, we have the Willamette Valley; it's this big, wide, expansive stuff. There's not there's a mountain range over to the to the west, the Coastal Range, but that's not as big. And so that area of southern Oregon, you know, by the Rogue River, where all those hills are there, and then down into the redwoods and into northern California. And like into the Trinity Alps where we were, that hey. whole area is all mountainous terrain that's built up in that section. And that's what kind of blocked off a lot of development in Northern California over to the Redwood Coast, like to where Eureka is and Arcata is. And that's why there's not as much access out there because of this thing called the Redwood Curtain, just, just that there are so many big hills for like a thousand miles out yeah. there. And that's you look cool. at a, you, yeah, And you look at a map of the U.S. and there's sort of like... A clumpy block yeah. of mountains Let's, over there by the Siskiyou Mountain Range, like where um, where Matt Ashland is on the divide of Oregon, right, the Oregon yeah. California divide there. Those big hills there, that and you know everything else it's to the, really to the coastal so the, side is really mountainous.
1: That's cool. I hadn't, I hadn't heard it uh, called the Redwood Curtain before.
0: Yeah. That's cool. And so what I was thinking about is that, that sky that we were looking at to the south. Good view is a good view because there's no cities there until yeah, no, Ukiah like or something way down like a few hundred miles into, into California. That's it's cool. really, yeah. it's a great spot. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So you just, you get a lot of, uh, or there's just no light pollution on that side of town. I think even if I lived on the north side of Grants Pass, there just would have been tons of light pollution in that section. Oh, and I wouldn't sure. have ever yeah, right. had that kind of view of the sky. So it was kind of interesting thinking about that. Uh, and thinking about how much better or just the benefit that that kind of view had of not having that much light pollution had and viewing things in the southern sky. It
1: really makes all the difference yeah. being somewhere that's just a little bit darker.
0: A little bit darker, but even still where we were when we went south of Eugene here, you look at and you still see the lights from the small towns, the yeah. little satellite towns that are further out from Eugene. That are still like within the 15, 20 mile range. And those yeah. little areas even put off, and the little establishments of the communities that live there put off a lot of light pollution. They so do, kind yeah. Of the collateral. horizon
1: is is all glowy like that. Yeah. looks lit.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. It, it, it was just kind of a, a strange thing to think about. But we were talking about the Delta Aquariids and uh, going out for the, the photo or taking the photos, hanging out, looking at the constellations and stuff that were out there. And while we were out there, we saw like a handful of meteor showers. Yeah, like, I think or like a handful of meteors come far. through. Yeah. But just shooting stars. That's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And so that's as that the Delta Aquarius were ramping up.
1: Yeah. And I was hearing that um, after the moon has set and before dawn is a, a good time to look to because it's that much darker without the moon yeah. there.
0: Yeah. I think, and we're in a great spot right now because the moon, well, like tonight, what we're talking about is the moon will rise probably at what, well, like 4 a.m. or right, so? Yeah, Because it, it's going to be occulting Aldebaran tonight. Hey. So it's going to be up in the night sky. And then just in a couple of days, it'll be a new moon. So there'll be no right. moon in the it'll sky, which will be great. And then here's the great thing. So we're talking about the Delta Aquarium meteor shower. And it's pretty cool, but it's like a limited amount of stuff. But it's a good Definitely. ramp up. It'll get you prepped. You should go out and try it a little bit. You'll probably see a couple fun, you know, meteors that are shooting stars that come through. Uh, you might see a couple of really good ones, too. But now there, here's the thing that's interesting is just after that, and what we talked about before is the Perseid meteor shower that's going to be coming through. And that peaks, that's at its, uh, its best on, uh, I think it's August 11th and 12th. I think that's the evening of the 11th and the morning of the 12th. That's going to be the period that it peaks. And I think you would, you would start making your observations toward the constellation of Perseus after around 11 p.m. I'd really say like after midnight, so that it would yeah. entirely be on, the, uh, on the, the date of the 12th, but, it, but it's the evening of the 11th, 12th. Right. And uh, yeah, and so after midnight into 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and then really getting the strongest between 3, 4, and 5 a.m. is going to be, uh, yeah, the Perseid meteor shower. And that's, they're saying this year, back to the predictions that we were talking right. about earlier, they're saying it's going to peak this year. It's going to pop this I year. I
1: was hearing that too. Yeah, it's supposed to be like... Double the usual expected amount, which Whoa. is like two hundred. It per says
0: two hundred right. per hour. Yeah, which I'm so, suspicious of.
1: I'm suspicious of that. also. I've never
0: got one a minute. <laughs> I've never seen one a minute, and I've tried to. I've tried to go out and, and make observations of this for the last ten years. Yeah, a probably. long
1: time. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm doubtful that it'll be that
0: much. You, you might see a few little sprites. That's mm-hmm. probably what they account for. Just some some real tiny little insignificant sprite that, yeah. that kind of cut cut through. But but the I big bet. ones or the, or the the perceivable ones like, hey, whoa, look, that's shooting a shooting star? star. That seems like less than sixty an hour. I'm sure it is.
1: I bet if you're out in a really, really nice dark spot, you probably are gonna get to see more of them.
0: Yeah, you, you probably but get to see more. But man, there's a lot of cool ones. And what we get a good chance to see are, are the fireballs. There's a little difference between like um between a shooting star and a fireball. Have you heard have you heard about that? Tell before?
1: me tell me about that a little bit. So more. like
0: the, the sh- so the shooting star comes through it's you know a little little chunk of rock in it it uh, the the thing that we see the light that we see is is really not the rock or the object it's it's the pressure that it puts on the air in front of the rock right and that turns it, it radiates light because it's really hot and it's like a little plasma tube it's sort of like a it's like a vacuum behind the shooting star as it comes in mm-hmm. out from outer space and into the earth's atmosphere it kind of pokes a hole into the atmosphere and that pushes a lot of energy into it, and that kind of uh, illuminates the tube that is a vacuum. It ionizes the tube. that is a vacuum to show a lot of light. That's what we see in a shooting star. Uh, and the little piece is like you know, a small chunk and, it, and it, it just burns up. Now, a fireball is bigger than that. That's the one that we see that, uh, that looks like it's a, it's a real thing that's kind of crumbling up in the sky. And when I see it kind of like pull into a a part or two and disappear, I've only seen a couple of those in my life, but those are like the bigger, the bigger meteor showers or the, or the bigger, you know, shooting stars that we would see in the evening. Those Mm -hmm. really significant ones that look, that look stronger and don't look just like a little, a little. Yeah. But yeah, those pieces are the ones that uh, they're called fireballs.
1: That's cool. How, and do we see mostly, um, not fireballs. Mostly shooting, shooting stars. stars.
0: Yeah, you're mostly going to see shooting stars. In fact, it would be, it's kind of rare almost to see a fireball. So you, you're only going to see a couple of those uh, if they come through. And there's there's certain characteristics to the colors that they show is they ionize in the atmosphere. And that is an indicator of what their makeup is. It's really cool. Oh, right.
1: Cool. Yeah, the type of like metal that they're.
0: Yeah. If it's iron, it'll ionize a certain color. If it's copper, it'll ionize a certain color. Right it's really cool. So you you can kind of tell by the way that it, that it ionizes or that it burns up in the atmosphere, what the material was made of. So you can look out and you see, I think copper is green. I believe so. I think, yeah, I think if copper is burned, it turns like a little green flash of a fireball as it falls. And then I think, uh, I think iron is red. Yeah. But I could be wrong about that too. Um, but yeah, it's It's kind of cool. Yeah. You'll see like, uh, you know, I've seen. I think maybe one or two really good ones. Those have also been at periods that there was no uh, meteor shower going on. That was so,
1: yeah. That's what I was gonna ask too. Are the fireballs ever associated with meteor showers, or is that more often something that you I think you that would
0: it's see it's really probably separate. Outside? I think I've seen maybe four or five when I've been out looking. There's been a handful that I missed. There was one that like everybody saw. It was like a huge one that went kind of over over the Northwest here. There's a lot of people in Oregon and on the coast that saw it. And they, they say it like it went out and went into the ocean or something. But it probably uh-huh. like hit in the ocean. Is what uh, they think. No, I'm no. not sure if that's true or not, though. It would seem like speculation by people that were smart, but it still seemed like speculation. Uh, but it was really cool. Uh, I think that was back in like 2005 or something like that. There's stories, of this really cool. big meteor that went over. It was cool. There's like UFO warnings on the news. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, it happened in like seven... 45 or something in the evening. It was kind of like uh, evening twilight sometime in July, probably. And then we were watching a movie on TV on ABC. And I remember this really clearly. And it had this like little ticker pop up on channel 12. And it was like, boop, 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 boop. And it said like bright light scene over town, not a UFO. <laughs> 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 You're like, oh, this is war of the Worlds <laughs> starting right now. I've seen this before. Yeah, I remember. I remember the first fifteen minutes of War of the Worlds, <laughs> <laughs> saying it's not a UFO, and then the next thing, is gonna cut to some live scene of Trenton, New Jersey, where there's little tripods popping up out of the ground, little no. Martians. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> so we didn't we didn't see any of that, but yeah, I remember that that fireball happening. I remember I saw another one, uh, kind of uh, like cruise past. It was like going uh, north to south over my my grandparents' house, you know where I'd be out. Yeah. Uh, make an observation. Oh, I saw that, that turned like green. I think it kind of broke up into two pieces, or like kind of small, real close to each other. But you know, it sort of all flares out at the same time, sort of like okay. you would see like a firework or something like that. It almost looks like a firework sometimes. You're like, hey, is that like just like a big sparkler that they launched, or is that like a shooting star? Oh, there's another time. I remember being at a football game. It was like a Hidden Valley High School football game, and I remember looking out and I saw like this orange one break up over in the northwest. It's pretty cool. It's that cool when you cool. get to see them, and they're a little bit more rare. But you might be able to to spot one. It's it's really just kind of the the bigger chunk of material that's uh, that's actually kind of disintegrating in the atmosphere. That's yeah. mostly what we're talking about when we talk about a fireball. And the others, like we're saying, are like that ionized yeah, just a little tube of light, light that we see. Yeah, and it's really cool to see that. There's oh, there's other ones. Have you seen it for a shooting star when it goes through? It'll It'll cut the atmosphere like we're talking about, make that tube, it ionizes with light, and then it'll stay lit for a little bit of time. Yeah. I've only seen that like once or twice, but I saw the shooting star go through and the the tube stayed there.
1: Yeah. For less than
0: a second, but a, but a perceivably longer amount of time than the other bits that would just kind of shoot through.
1: Yeah, what does that mean? I've, <laughs> seen, <don't> <laughs> I've seen that before. I haven't seen fireballs before, yeah. but I've seen some shooting stars that had the trails stick behind.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. It is, yeah. When it holds for a bit, I think it's really interesting. I want to try and do some photos of the Perseid meteor shower.
1: I was thinking gotcha. the same thing.
0: Yeah, I really. oh, and the best thing. So like we were talking about the new moon is on August 3rd. Second or third, sort of in that area. And then it's going to start, you know, getting brighter and brighter again. The great thing is, is that the 11th and 12th, and I was worried about this, that we'd get a full moon or, you know, a big moon. It's going to be bright. We're not going to get the best observations that evening. The the great thing is, is that it's only up to a first quarter moon at that time in the evening. So if you're getting your good hours of observation in between 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and 4 a.m., and you're looking out toward, uh, toward Perseus in the northeast, the great thing is, is that that first quarter moon is already gonna be set in the evening sky. So we're not gonna have to worry about it causing a lot of light pollution in those really dark late hours of the sky
1: that'll be great yeah I was wondering about that too since we were having the full moon or yeah, the new moon I was worried about it too
0: it's happened for a few years or there's there's been you know good years on years and off years but man there's been a handful where it's like oh it's just like almost a full moon yeah on it, or just a little bit before or after and yeah. you're just you're just screwed all night where you just really can't can't make out the darker parts of the sky, you can still see shooting stars, but I think it, it really works best, and the, the best effect is in that really dark, crisp black sky with no moon. Definitely, and that would be great for the photos too if we try and do that. You've seen a handful of those photos where uh, you kind of pick the camera will pick up the shooting star. It's, yeah, it looks kind of like a streak almost. Similar, it almost looks like when we catch a satellite in a photograph when we shoot it. When we shoot, mm-hmm. you know we take a picture of the evening sky and, there, and there's a little satellite that's tracking. It looks like just a little streak. It looks like there that's the same kind of effect that we get when a shooting star goes through, but you get that period yeah, little line. That, that tube is illuminated when it goes through. It's really cool. It'll be fun to try and make some, some observations of, but, uh, we got a couple more weeks before the Perseids. We'll probably talk about it again, um, in preparation for it. I think we should find, try and find like a really cool dark spot for it this year.
1: Yeah. I think we should too, especially since it's supposedly going to be an extra 200 cooler. an hour
0: movie that's a lot Billy. whoa that's you like see that's like three a minute That's tough. what is that that's way too many but it'd be great it'd be fantastic if it's the case though I think it'd be really fun so I want to I want to work really hard to try and get somewhere uh, that's, that's extra dark or you know that's like a yeah. good observation spot for that sort of stuff that we just hang out at all night take some cool photos yeah make a little evening out of, of it fun. yeah I think it'd be really cool uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to doing is working on some more astrophotography. Stuff. I've had a lot of fun with you doing that this summer, trying to make more photographs of the stars and stuff. I it's really been like really that. Cool. Yeah, so we're, we're gonna try and keep, keep pushing on uh, more of those. We should try some star trail photos too, like where we leave it. Oh, yeah. You know what? That'd be really fun.
1: I've been uh, opposed to that with starting out because I've been so set on not having any blur. Oh yeah, And wanting yeah. to get those nice sharp stars where I can make out the constellations and stuff still. Yeah. But I think it'd be really cool to get some of those trailing ones. We I like do, yeah. I like the effect of that. We
0: should do a couple. Yeah, it's, it's hard. You really have to have a go for like four hours. It's, yeah, a, it's a, long a long commitment for one frame. And if anything goes wrong, it's Shoot. done. Shoot. <laughs> it's blown. There goes those four hours. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. It, it works really well over to the, the northern hemisphere here. And, you know, or, or where we're at, because we just look at the pole star, we can see those circumpolar stars and you really get that right, you see the strong twist. twist yeah. in it. Otherwise you just kind of get lines, which is cool too, but it's not yeah. the It's same.
1: really cool though. Yeah. yeah. Shooting, shooting tol- towards Polaris and getting to see that yeah. shape that this star, the stars move in. Yeah. It's really neat. I think it would work that.
0: really well, especially in like a late sky when we're getting Cassiopeia you know, rising up further. And then uh, really, if you stay up late night, if you probably stay up to like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., you're going to see Capella coming up. That's going to be a really bright star over there. And a lot of that stuff in that section of the Milky Way that starts rising up as we get further into the fall. Um, so I think like trying to catch some of that stuff in, uh, in like a star trail photo would be really cool. If we got that really wide angle lens, we could try just, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. So it'd be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to trying some, some more types of photos with you. Some more late night, early morning photos.
1: Yeah, I've really been enjoying it. I'm excited to do some more.
0: Yeah, it'll be really fun. So yeah, I guess uh, that'll wrap up most of the stuff that we have to talk about. Some news and events that are going on in the night sky above us uh, for the fourth week of July. Wow, it's the fourth week of July. July is over. July is over. <laughs> Summer's over. No, oh, we can't be over yet. Um, but we have a lot more summer stuff to go and uh, a lot of cool observation stuff coming up in this next week. All the Perseid stuff. We're going to be really busy for, uh, for the next bit of summer. And it seems like it's just really kicking in. If, That's what I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> it seems it's like it's just, just now ramping up.
1: Summer's been weird this year. It really does feel like it's sort of just starting It's ramping
0: up. And we'll have a lot of fun, too. It'll be cool.
1: Yeah, it'll be great. I'm looking forward to some cool observations.
0: Yeah, we got to do a bunch. We got to go camping this weekend. Yeah. Do some really cool ones.
1: Get some cool photos in.
0: I'm looking forward to it. But on behalf of Marina Hansen, my name is Billy Newman. And I want to say thank you all very much for listening to this episode of the Night Sky Podcast.